Hello, and welcome to Fidelity Connects, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast, connecting you to the world of investing and helping you stay ahead. As inflation rages on, it continues to eat away at the investment plans of many, including retirees, who are often neglected when it comes to discussing how to build an income portfolio. And with the Bank of Canada announcing another interest rate hike, how can advisors guide investors, especially those nearing or in retirement, to construct a solid portfolio during a period of inflation and market uncertainty? Paul Ma, VP Lead Portfolio Strategist, joins host Pamela Ritchie to share his portfolio construction insights, including a bucket strategy, which helps manage behavioral biases by taking advantage of the mental accounting of treating money differently depending on different needs and timelines. Paul shares younger people are more likely to panic in times of uncertainty and may need to reassess risk profiles and consider moderate portfolios. Today's podcast was recorded on September 6th, 2022. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Fidelity Investments Canada ULC or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. It is not an offer to sell or buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited. Read a fund's prospectus before investing. Funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Fees, expenses, and commissions are all associated with fund investments. Paul, when we spoke last, a couple of months ago now, uh, you did actually give us a bit of a kind of a primer on how to invest in periods of inflation, the role of commodities, the role of different types of strategies within an inflationary environment. But this is, well, keeping a lot of that in mind, we want to shift today a bit to ask you about really the discussion of retirement, what one needs to be thinking about and building ultimately, and how to approach really having income in your portfolio. Can you just kind of spell out how this is uh, a bit of an evolution from what we spoke about last time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think a lot of attention to savers, the accumulation stage uh, for retirement, with either a growth portfolio or conservative portfolio, right? We find that not enough attention is paid to the portfolio needs for retirees who are, in, who are mainly focused on income, right? So, so that's sort of uh, the, the sort of where we focus on building income portfolio for retirees, something that you should consider building a separate portfolio for them. So, so ultimately, I wonder how that kind of comes into, you know, what it ultimately looks at, how you need to approach that. Let's, let's talk about retirement, what you need to be thinking about while you're in that and just kind of spell out for us, again, generally how you want to be thinking about that and, and your needs as you go into this stage in your life. The retirees, they want income, absolutely. But they also want downside protection in bad times like year to date. And they want great returns in good time, total return, right? So easy, right? We call this a trilemma, but the advisor was trying to build income portfolio for their retired clients. You don't, if you don't set expectation properly, you're bound to disappoint and not generate enough income for your client to live on, not protecting during down, down times, or not keeping up with their market, with the market during good times, right? Balancing income, uh, building income portfolio is about balancing yield, risk, and return. Okay. 
Fascinating. And we'll, and we'll come back to, to further on this. But what's what's one of the general rules for handling markets like this? I mean, it's it's tough for the best of those out there. Um, it's it's you have to rebalance. I mean, how, how do you sort of get through a market moment like this? A great question. So um, the business cycle approach from Fidelity is shows that we are in the late cycle. Right. And we talk about this in many, many webinars now, guys. It's not new news. Right. Uh, don't go chasing waterfall. Stick to the rivers and lakes you're used to, right? Okay. It is uh, we're not time to go after tech, growth, stock, and Bitcoin, all these fancy stuff, right? You know, that's just for early to mid cycle, or mid to late cycle, late cycle right now. You got to stick to rivers and lakes you're used to, right? So these are quality names, are low volatility or quality, right? Those are the key things that lakes and rivers you're used to. I've been saying about it for a whole year. How people have been listening to me about that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these these are are the buckets. So that's one piece of it. Ultimately, I mean, you're you're sticking to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to, which I love. I'm so glad that you always say that. So using different ETFs to build an income portfolio ultimately gets us to sort of consider the buckets. Ultimately, is that right? That's correct. The bucketing strategy. In fact, the, the bucketing strategy deals with the uncertainty of the markets up and down, right? Or uncertainty of life itself. Head on, right? Deals with the flowing asset allocation, the flaw in asset allocation assumption of a rational investor by being realistic with the behavioral biases of your client, right? And their short-term and long-term horizon needs. Bucketing strategies sets up literally three different accounts or three different asset buckets to address the different needs. You have the the cash bucket that has about one to three years of cash money market savings account that meet the spending needs without selling the rest of the portfolio, especially during market downturns. Then you have the income bucket that has an income portfolio that we talked about that generate income that flows down to the cash bucket. Finally, you have the growth bucket, right? That's a, a 10 year or longer. That's for long-term horizon investment dedicated to wealth accumulation and legacy. The cash bucket gives a client the peace of mind during the volatile climate like the first half of 2022 right now, you can call up the client and say market is down, but there's this cash bucket that you can use to go on that European cruise they've been dreamed about, dreamed about, and without touching the rest of your portfolio. Bucketing strategy helps you, you manage your client's behavioral biases by taking advantage of their mental accounting of treating money differently depending on different use. Uh, the, this money is for near-term cash needs. That money is for medium-term retirement income needs. And that other money is house money for longer-term legacy assets. So let's go a little bit into sort of the role of commodities in this in these overall strategies, where, where you're going to put that. This is just coming back to straight inflation protection, um, maybe even gold. Um, take us back to sort of where they all belong. Excellent. So last time we talked about a webinar, we talked about commodities and gold, right? And a lot of people were asking a question, the commodity work for maybe a, maybe a January to about, I don't know, May right. and June, and suddenly stop working. What's right. going on? Because a lot of people, they make the mistake of focusing on commodity as only inflation sensitive. Commodities also, you got to look at the growth sensitivity of it, because commodity is one, a lot of commodity, except for gold, is consumable like oil, cotton, copper. So if you're heading into recession, right, which in July, August, July, August, people worry about recession. When that happens, right, that means that uh, the oil price and, and, and copper price will come down 
because there'll be less need for those consumable commodity during recessionary times. So you need, um, so commodity itself has to be uh, uh, high inflation and solid economic growth for it to work, which has been for a year or so, and then stopped and this and that looks like to be coming back. So that's keep that in mind, right? Gold, on the other hand, loves stagflation, means that uh, there's high inflation, but recession. If you think recession is coming, right, and high inflation, definitely being gold. And the other asset, but what if the Fed was able to bring the inflation down and, and cause a recession, which is a possible scenario, in that environment, uh, treasury bond that you, you might not like so much year to day, it actually works really well because they love recession and lower inflation. But if the, the Fed succeeds in bringing inflation down and economic growth, which is very hard, soft landing, if that happens, you don't need me to tell you what asset class to go after. It's equities, tech, listen, knock yourself out. But think about these four scenarios carefully. It's fascinating. I mean, um, let's go back to that idea of the free lunch in investing is, is the diversification, which you've just described, ultimately, sort of the sleep at night quality. Um, come, come back a little bit to sort of the overall story of where someone who's younger has a different profile, is not nearing uh, retirement. Are, are these same buckets for them? Is it a totally different story in markets such as these? I mean, how would things change? Yeah, so for a rational investor, right, what you want to give them is absolutely just a, um, an association with long on growth, right? Risk profile of the young investor should be pretty aggressive. They have a long time horizon. Give them that the equity is heavy and give them even some Bitcoin, have fun with it. All these risky assets, uh, knock yourself out, right? However, <clears throat> young people also suffer from behavioral issues, which means that they panic. Maybe year to date, Bitcoin's not working, equity's not working, bonds not working. What do I do, right? So, so you, you want to really asset, use this volatile time to assess the risk profile of that investor. Are they panicking, want to go to cash? That's the case. They don't deserve aggressive portfolio. They probably need a moderate portfolio and with some commodity, with some look at alls, with some more diversifying asset classes that give them a smoother ride. So, so that's sort of uh, think about using this uh, opportunity to figure out what they are, right? And then uh, and then the key thing is, is rebalance to that portfolio, that the strategic long-term allocation. And rebalancing is actually, um, uh, you might think, I know rebalance, Paul. You don't need to tell me about rebalance. <laughs> but do you really, right? Rebalance is like buying, buying losers and selling winners, right? In January, when everybody's so bullish, we ask you to rebalance by selling those, you know, equities and buying some losers. Uh, Bonds were up, uh, were things that were down, right? Uh, curvy enthusiasm in January. In June, when everybody's so, so depressed, where right now people are so depressed, we have to buy the loser, which might be tech stocks. Rebalance back to strategic allocation. So rebalancing is one way we think a great way of combating behavioral biases. You, you went through this, but you know, there's concern about this. A lot of people are wondering about this. Your thoughts, Paul, on fixed income if rate hikes persist? So, um, Move more there. Confused, yeah. People confused about uh, uh, treasury bond investment grade bond with a five six year of duration, right? They think, my goodness, if it raises rate, the bond man says that rate goes up, bond price goes down, right? Not quite true because what the uh, investment grade bond, treasury bond, they depend on is a ten year yield, while the Fed controls the short term Fed funds rate, right? While central bank controls the short term rate, the market controls a ten year yield. How does the market react? When market thinks this is going to re, uh, 
recession coming, they're gonna sell stocks and buy bonds. Buy bonds driving a yield lower, therefore bond, bond prices go higher, right? So it's number one is that do not confuse with interest rate going up as your short-term rate going up. Long-term rate, we do not know whether it's going up or not. Okay, and and if um, we do believe if the long-term rate does go up, right? Uh, right now we're about three four percent right now. Um, that you get a lot of incomes, right? Just from that, and that will offset a lot of interest rate sensitivity. We have a chart from 1940 to 1980 where interest rate did go up from three percent to fourteen percent. Was there bond apocalypse? No. Most of the time, bond bond uh, total return was so positive because the income you get from the coupon three percent, four percent, five percent offset a lot more interest rate sensitivity. So right now we think investment grade bond and treasury bond ETFs are great assets to buy right now, especially you hedge against a recession and is, is sold off and that get three, four percent just by buying something very stable. Well, maybe one of the other sides of, of the recession story is sort of the health of the consumer itself. And I'm curious, again, in the cycle where we are and, you know, what we need to know about the health of the consumer. It's it's a tricky time for many investors on that on that particular topic. Yeah, health of consumer is uh, is a is a tough one, right? Because it seems one, fine. I mean, it, it seems, seems fine. fine, right? Currently, it seems fine because job uh, market is tight. You can find a good job pretty much easily, and you can, you know. However, here's several problems because we got markets about looking forward, right? And historically, when Fed raises rate, short-term really high, mortgage rate gets higher, so it's harder to buy a house, right? Everything else gets higher, and inflation eats away the thing asset we can count on. It's, uh, it's more expensive to buy milk, more expensive to buy uh, all these things, so your cash is worth less. But in some way, um, we think um, the worst is yet to come in terms of raising rate on consumer health. Um, so that's sort of uh, one thing. But then again, question is, how much worse, right? Can, can the Fed really get inflation down before consumer really tip over and say, I give up, right? But right now, we're still okay. Let's monitor very carefully because restaurants still full. I can't get a table for like an hour, right? Things like that. So I say the consumer health is pretty good, but let's just wait and see on that. Which bucket, for instance, does, does healthcare um, go into? Tell, tell us a little bit about that, how that's going to work. Absolutely. Healthcare is a wild card because uh, right now, you know, we, we might spend about 8% of our, um, uh, uh, of our, um, expenses is, is healthcare. But when you get to 75 year old or older, it's 14%, right? And this rising share of spend can be scary and the uncertainty, uncertainty of it unnerving. So, so that's why we, we think, uh, one has to be really think about, you know, um, that that's the spend there. That's it could just be the large spend. You have your uh, so government guarantee healthcare portion. Then in addition, what's that can cost you, right? So a lot of uncertainty around that. And that's one more thing for thinking about bucketing strategy because you know, how much cash we have allocated to those uncertain spend is is, is the, the bucket by itself. So you don't panic and sell rip your portfolio. I mean, you know, healthcare is obviously a different system here, but I'm speaking more about sort of the investment of healthcare players, ultimately, um, how how that's supposed to work. Other questions, you know, thoughts on inflation. You, you've spent some time telling us a little bit how to invest for inflation and ultimately the role of commodities and how that worked and then it didn't. <laughs> but um, the question here is, do you see inflation persisting through 
the winter. I mean, you're watching central banks move pretty quickly like the rest of us. Give us some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so first of all, I always believe in letting it print uh, for inflation number, GDP number, because if you think about this, right, um, poor CPI was a 2% for two decades around that. But last April uh, 2021, core CPI went to 3% out of that range and headline CPI went to 4%. If at the moment when you print that high number, right, and you put on the inflation hedge, whether it be commodity, gold or whatever, then you would have done really, really well right now, right? But what, so what I'm trying to say is that print, because we don't know what inflation will print. It's very hard to guess. In fact, um, a lot of economists said that they call peak inflation for the last six months, they call peak inflation thinking that we're coming down. And they were all wrong. And uh, the, even the Fed with 100 economists and PhDs, um, they had a hard time. They thought that inflation was transitory last year, right? It, it, they can get it right. The Fed with 100 economists, all their jobs books on inflation, they can't get it right, right? How can armchair economists get it right? So be aware that it's very hard to call inflation, right? That being said, if you really want to forecast inflation, this is what I recommend. Focus on uh, inflation expectation. What do I mean by that? Um, turns out the best forecasting of inflation, right, is what people expect the inflation to be. If they expect inflation to be lower in three years, actually inflation will come lower, right? So use University of Michigan uh, consumer survey of uh, inflation expectation. That is the best track record of anything to forecast inflation. So right now, actually, that number is, is coming down from 3% to 2.8 a little bit here and there. So, so that's why the, the, the central banks, including the Fed, are, come, uh, are sort of not too panicky because they know that inflation uh, uh, expectation is anchored. They call it anchor, right? Unlike the 70s when people saw higher inflation, they asked for higher wages and, and company raised prices and the vicious circle. That's when ex inflation expectation was unanchored and it took but people, to are, people are asking for higher wage. I mean, that part is happening right now. Yes, they're uh, asking for, and, and the question is, how much are they getting, right? Is it run yeah. away, right? So the question is, but right now we're seeing inflation expectations, one, 3%, 2.8 right now. That's why the central bank is still okay with it. So that's the best forecast mechanism is that you will go to uh, three, maybe 3% in about three years. That's the expectation says so, right? Uh, but that being said, from here to there, it's a very hard road. I will not rest easy just because you know, oil prices come down and, and, you know, a lot of things come down, but then there's a lot of sticky inflation like housing price, the rent. So again, just bringing it back yeah. to the strategy as, as sort of, you know, a way to, there's nothing you can really do about the story of inflation. And we'll watch all of those different markers, including expectations, because they seem to be self-fulfilling prophecies to a certain extent. Um, but ultimately take us back to sort of the diversification that, that is on offer, you know, from an ETF strategy of how you might put that together and um, have a sleep at night effect. Yes, so one of the key things is that uh, the 60-40 sort of stock bond portfolio you have using ETF, right, for the last two decades, you need to modify it. You have to. You gotta ask something else because inflation is here to stay, right? whether it be 3% or 4% or 5% as the terminal value, is not 2%. So what that means is that you need to have commodity, gold, liquid, oil, whatever ETF you have that are more diversifying than just stocks and bonds. So definitely start thinking about your portfolio, build it for inflations to come.
that's fascinating. It's really great to have a chance to have a bit of a catch up with you, particularly the day after Labor Day, the beginning of this fall season, and really a very confusing time in the markets to many. So Paul Ma, lead portfolio strategist, want to thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, Pamela. Thanks for listening to the Fidelity Connects podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to Fidelity Connects on your podcast platform of choice. And if you like what you're hearing, leave a review or a five-star rating. You can visit fidelity.ca for more information on future live webcasts. And don't forget to follow Fidelity Canada on Twitter. Thanks again. See you next time.